Hey guys, this is B. I know it's been a long, long time since you've heard from me. A uh, lot of stuff been going on. We had GeekCon, which was awesome. It was amazing. And then uh, I also started a brand new project, an audio drama called Gospel by Gaslight. Hopefully you've had a chance to check that out. But as such, I haven't really had a lot of time to get to do some viewing and reviewing. So I'm very excited to be back for my next episode. I sat down and had a conversation with John Haru of Playing Games with Strangers and author A.C. Peckham, who wrote Bunbear Believes in You, a book I had reviewed a few episodes back. And we had a conversation about what a superhero is. And it was such a fun conversation, and I recorded it with the intention of playing it before GeekCon, but things got busy. So I did not want to leave that conversation unaired. So here, a little late, but better late than never, is the conversation between myself, John Haru, and author A.C. Peckham about the definition of a superhero. Rogue signal intercepted. Signal designation. Bees, views, and reviews. Signal host Branson Boykin, initiating com talk. Hey guys, welcome to Bees, Views, and Reviews, the podcast that promotes faith-based, family-friendly comics and the creators that make them. Brought to you by Geek Devotions, a show by devoted geeks devoted to letting you know that you were loved. I am B, and joining me here today are the <laughs> the wonderful two guys that helped spark a very interesting conversation in the Geek Devotions Discord. Uh, we're just going to go around the pictures here. First, we have children's author, children's book author, uh, D&D enthusiast, and all-around good guy, Mr. A.C. Peckham. How you doing, A.C.? I'm doing very well. What's up, everybody? Cool. And then we also have the Dungeon Master extraordinaire, Mr. Podcast of everything under the sun himself, the one, the only, John Haru. What's up? <laughs> Hi, John. Hi. So to give you all a little bit of a, a context as to what this episode is, in the Geek Devotions Discord, we were having a discussion about uh, his Royal Highness, the very first Spider-Man on the large screen, Mr. Tobey Maguire, and his role as Spider-Man in the Sam Raimi-directed movies. And John expressed some opinions about him and about the character of Spider-Man in general. And then AC expressed some opinions, and a conversation started. And then after a couple of back-and-forth messages in, John made the comment, you know, this would be a great episode for Bees Use and Reviews. And I thought, hey, he's right. And that's where we have today's episode. So what we are going to be discussing today is we are going to define what a superhero is. On, on this podcast, I, I do a lot of comics that involve superheroes. So we're going to actually take some time today to define what a superhero is, come up with some examples, some counterexamples, and kind of have some back and forth about what we think of when we think of the superhero. Uh, so let's just kind of go around the thing, the the table here. AC, to you, what is a superhero? To me, a superhero is a type of character who embodies both the words super and hero. Super including superhuman abilities or extraordinary skills, something that makes them stand in a category above everyone else in that they're more capable of achieving certain goals and doing certain feats. 
And a hero is someone who looks out for the good of others, someone who takes the initiative um, and stands up as an example of good. Combining those, you have a character who uses their special abilities and skills for the good of others in a way that others cannot do. They use the thing that makes them special to serve, uh, to serve and protect others from evil. In, uh, if you take all that, if you thought of one character that was like the penultimate of what you think a superhero is, who would that be and why? The character I've most thought about this is actually from an anime from My Hero Academia, I think of All Might. Because All Might is a character who, he has extraordinary abilities that he uses for the good of others. He's considered the best of the best. But he, that's not just in his ability, that's in his character, it's who he is. There's other superheroes who are just as, if not more powerful than him. But He's the one who's the symbol of hope because he uses his powers not just to protect, but to inspire and to stand up as an example of what all the the rest of the heroes should be. Okay, cool. John, for you, define a superhero and who do you think would be the penultimate example of that? I would say a superhero is uh, an individual who has the capacity to go above and beyond the abilities of the normal person and is willing to do what it takes to accomplish what is best for a society and does not is not limited by those societal bounds okay uh, and i don't know that i have a like a ultimate expression of an individual that does that the closest i can think of that totally embodies that would probably be uh batman i guess but i disagree with his does not kill rule so okay so batman from dawn of justice then uh sure sure <laughs> we'll go with that i i am i am i okay so full disclosure i am not as much of a comic book reader as maybe you are Branson. I have read my fair share of comic books, but I mean, if you want to go into specific arcs, I can't follow. So you have, you do have me at a slight disadvantage in this conversation. <laughs> well, no, no, not at all. Uh, actually fun little factoid. You may appreciate when Batman was first created by Bob Kane and Bill finger, some of his earlier, uh, comics he has a gun at his side and he has no qualms about killing a guy who's evil like there, there's a one particular panel i'm thinking of where he is swinging and basically kicks a guy in the head and snaps his neck i got it yes i got it hellboy hellboy okay <laughs> got you all right good good deal all right uh for me i think though i think uh both of those definitions are great um I guess I'm kind of a hybrid of those two. Uh, I definitely agree that to be a superhero, you have to have something that sets you apart from the populace. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a superpower. 
in that sense, because uh, you have people who I think count as superheroes that aren't necessarily super. Like, for example, Batman. I think Batman counts as a superhero. Or Iron Man. Or Iron Man, yeah. <laughs> Their superpower is money. Yeah. <laughs> I'm rich. Money and, to a certain extent, intellect. But uh, but something that that is that sets them apart from the populace, and they specifically use that for the good of others. And I say for the good of others, uh, not necessarily for the good of society, because society defines what is good, and society doesn't always have a a good idea of what good is, if you know what I mean. Uh, I think to uh, the Dark Knight Returns. And that story arc, uh, Superman is basically a gopher boy for the United States government. And the, the, the way that story was written, that was not a good thing. Uh, I want to say that uh, Bruce says something about anyone who waves a flag can tell Clark what to do and he'll just go do it. Uh, so someone who uses what they have for the benefit of others, whether or not it gets them accolades from society. And for me, that penultimate example is Spider-Man. Spider-Man, because obviously he's got his spider powers that set him apart, but he does the hero thing even when everyone hates him. Like when he rescues someone, he doesn't get a fanfare. He doesn't get celebrated. It's, oh my gosh, it's that bug guy that the Daily Bugle is always talking about. Get him, kill him. Uh, No matter how hard he tries, whenever he saves someone, whenever he stops a criminal, Jameson comes back with, well, he probably caused it so he could get the glory and the, and the fame. So he gets zero award for doing what he does, but he still gets up and does it. And while that is an inspirational thing to the reader, it's not necessarily an inspiration to the people in the comic. So I, I guess where I fall is a kind of somewhere in the middle. I want my heroes to be inspirational but not necessarily inspirational to the populace in their fictional world, I guess. And I think that's where the big divide between me and AC is, is that uh, for me, inspiration isn't necessary. I don't, I have a hard time connecting with a superhero that uh, I, I need flaws with my heroes, I guess. Like I, 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 I need that emotional conflict and I need them to have a dark side in order to be able to relate to them. If I can't relate to a hero, I don't, I don't care. I don't. I think I would disagree with you in that. I, I, I don't think there's necessarily so much of a divide there, as you say, because all of the best heroes that we would describe as iconic who are that inspiration are nonetheless very flawed characters. All Might, for example, has a lot of secrets that he hides, Spider-Man as well. They have plenty of their own character growth to go through as well. And they're not icons because they're perfect. They're icons because they work to overcome those flaws. And that's where the inspiration comes from, is that even though they are flawed like you and me, they still step up and stand for good. And I think that's why uh, characters like Superman are so hard to write, because 
especially if you look at the classic Superman, he is the 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 penultimate, the 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 Boy Scout, the the guy whose moral compass is always pointed north. So he's invulnerable, invincible, and he never makes the wrong decision. So he's a hard character to write for because he never has any real problems. You know, I, I think it's interesting to discuss Superman because a lot of folks, a lot of folks look to him as the main iconic hero, but I think it, it, it we could use Superman as an example. As you say, he's very hard to write because he is that perfect boy scout who never seems to make a wrong choice. Someone like that. Um, has unique flaws in that lie in his apparent perfection. Um, as was mentioned earlier in the dark Knight, where, or the dark Knight returns, where he's presented as this character who is basically just a super powerful government goon as Batman notes. That's one of his flaws is that sometimes in his quest to do what's right, he mistakes what is the right thing to stand for. Hey, John, you looked like you wanted to say something there for a sec. I can't stand Superman. <laughs> if, <laughs> if, if I'm being honest. Uh, and I, I say that with the utmost respect of anybody who enjoys Superman. Um, in my opinion, there's two types of superheroes. There's the superhero that, feels the need to be a shining example inspire and to inspire others and then there's the superhero who genuinely does not care about how they're perceived and just gets the job done i have a hard time i have a hard time with those pinnacle type superheroes just because it's just like ugh, get off captain america would be oh, I can't example. stand him. No, I can't. <laughs> Yuck. Captain no. America, I would say, is a better example of the iconic hero because when push comes to shove, he will step away from the spotlight of what everyone agrees with, as he has done so in several examples throughout comics. Uh, most notably in the Marvel Civil War comic storyline, where he stood up against the government whose very flag he bore on his suit to stand up for what he believed in. Yeah, that's a wonderful story arc, by the way. That's what got me back into collecting comics. I'd, I'd collected comics as a kid, kind of fell away from it, because, you know, as a kid, your interests go. But then um, I heard that Spider-Man was going to willingly reveal his identity to the public in the Civil War story arc. And that flipped me out, because I thought, why, oh, why would Spider-Man ever do that willingly? So very excitedly, I ran and uh, started collecting Civil War. So that's a that's a great example. The thing about that, though, is that even in standing against the government, he still, he believed, was making a morally good decision. Uh, throughout most of the war, he, even though he was, you know, a criminal, so to speak, he was like, no, this is the right thing to do. This is the right thing to do. And then when at the very last issue where he's faced with the carnage of what's going on between this fight, he tells everyone to stand down and turns himself in. 
just to stop the fighting, but even in turning himself in, he still believes he's doing what is right. Um, he never questions his decisions. He, he never questions, is this the right thing to do? You know, um, he never wrestles with it. He, he, he always feels confident in his decisions. And I think, I think maybe what John is alluding to are people who actually wrestle like, is this the right thing? Did I do the right thing? And sometimes that answer is no. They make a decision and go back and think, wow, that was not the right decision. And now I'm in a mess. But see, that's exactly what happens with Captain America in the middle of that final fight. He begins wrestling, seeing the results of the decision he made. So yeah. you can't say he doesn't wrestle because that's exactly what led to that decision to turn himself in. Uh, that's fair, yeah. Because he began to wrestle with the decision that he had made and the consequences that came about as a result. Right. I, I think more of what I'm trying to say, because um, while you guys were talking about it, I was really trying to wrap my head around what, where, where I think my disconnect is with the majority, actually with the majority of the comic book reading audience and it's that I, I the superheroes that i involve myself the most in are the ones that are willing to make the hard choices that they don't necessarily want to do but they'll do it to take care of the situation uh for example there was a couple times when i was reading maximum carnage for a recent uh, superhero thing, a Spider-Man thing. I don't remember what it was for, but it was for Geek Devotions, something like that. And I found myself siding with Eddie Brock so many times. It's just like, yes, eat their brains. Though They won't come back. They won't be able to slaughter a bunch of civilians. And, and it's just like, you know, sometimes those decisions have to be made. And I... I guess what I, what it comes down to is, you know, I want my superheroes to be willing to be judge, jury and executioner, even when they don't want to, just because it's just because it will take care of the problem in the long run. It's just like someone who's willing to get their hands dirty. So other people don't have to later on, like judge dread, you know, um, Hellboy, I love Hellboy. Um, the Punisher, Punisher, Wolverine, early Wolverine, anyway. Yeah, there's actually a, a series for Spider-Man called Renew Your Vows. It's where uh, they went back and fixed the whole One More Day storyline where they took away his marriage to Mary Jane. Mm. They went back and fixed it, and they have a little girl and Eddie Brock Venom uh, escapes from prison. And because he knows who Spider-Man is, goes straight to their apartment, uh, attacks them and everything. And they're in this burning building. And, uh, and Venom basically tells Peter, you're not going to stop me. You might beat me today, but I'm going to keep coming after you and keep coming after you and keep coming after you. You will never be able to stop looking over your shoulder. You are never going to be able to stop worrying about what happens when your wife or your daughter walks around a corner. I am always going to come after you. And uh, Peter, as a father, basically says, 
Okay. If that's how it's going to be, that's how it's going to be. And he beats Venom to a bolt, a bloody pulp and leaves him in the burning building. And uh, now after that, he puts the Spider-Man suit away. It says, I'm not Spider-Man anymore because I crossed the line. I killed someone. And of course, obvious because it's Marvel comics, it doesn't stick. He puts the suit on later, but that whole concept of I'm in a situation where I have to make a decision and I'm going to cross that line. And I find it interesting that what made Peter cross that line was fatherhood mm-hmm. uh, because I totally get that. I, I tell my wife all the time, <clears throat> excuse me, I value life. I value life uh, deeply. I, I, you know, from the moment of conception all the way till uh, someone naturally takes their last breath. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the death penalty. Uh, I think that life should be valued at all costs. But if someone comes after my children or my wife, that is the day I don't stop. That is the day that someone's going down and and one of us is not going to get up again. So I think given the proper motivation, any hero could be ready to make that decision. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the debate is when does that decision need to be made? So let's take that. Let's look at some of those characters. Uh, Like, for example, we talked about the Punisher. Uh, and I think we talked about this a little bit, the message about the Punisher is often put in situations where justice is not served. The people he punishes are people that get away with the crimes that they do. That's why he goes to punish them. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Frank Castle doesn't break into jails and kills guys behind bars. He breaks into their casinos or their penthouse apartments or whatever. You're thinking about the kingpin when you say that, aren't you? Yeah, that's that's one of the ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's the first guy that came to mind. Yeah, but uh, that that type of criminal. So if you take a hero who is not afraid to pull the trigger, literally to to kill someone, put him against a vile enough villain, is he still heroic? Or is the fact that he's willing to pull the trigger at all kind of move him away from the heroic title what, what do y'all think about that i think i think it's still a heroic thing i mean let's talk about you know you want to let's bring it to real life circumstances let's talk about seal team six and there and uh going after osama bin laden you right. know when they when they pulled that trigger did that make them less of a hero i would argue well i, I don't know I, i'm I am glad and happy for what they did. And I don't question what they did at all. Uh, but again, being a person who, I, I don't know. I Let, Let's, let's, let's talk about the fact that they went into uh foreign airspace on top of that, that they did not have clearance to go into, to uh, pull off their mission. You know, there's that too. Does that make them less of a hero? And now let's, 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 and then we can turn around and reverse the circumstances. You know, the fact of the matter is, is nobody thinks that they're a villain. That's true. Yeah. And you know, you got, you have, you have terrorists who think they're on the side of right. You have, you know, Thanos, let's talk about Thanos and the Avengers movies. He thought he was doing the right thing. Let's take out the population, you know, and. Yeah. I think what's kind of scary as you mentioned, no one thinks they're the villain. The The way Thanos was presented in Avengers Infinity War, I actually know people who actually defend Thanos' reasoning and say he was right. 
which is kind of strange because what he was wanting to do was literally kill half of the universe. And I think it's really uh, important to understand that there are lines. Obviously, that the, the line Thanos was crossing was way clearer than perhaps the Punisher. But I think that's a very interesting th- uh, and important thing to note is that no one thinks they're the villain. So what you would have to do then is have some kind of objective line to define what is a villain and what isn't. And the thing about fiction is they love to move that line all the way around. I, I see it, you know, one of, one of the things I used to hate about uh, romantic dramas is, and, and, and ladies, if you are listening to this, you can hate me. That's okay. I absolutely hated the notebook. <laughs> I, I hated it because you've got this girl who's engaged to a good upstanding guy. And I mean, he, he, he does not mistreat her. He does not abuse her. He does not do anything at all, but she ends up leaving him for this dude that she used to know. And the justification for it all is, Oh, but they were really meant for each other. And look, they're still together when they're old and they, they couch this whole scenario in, well, it worked out. All these other factors make it okay. And I'm like, no, she flat out left that boy at the altar to go hook up with her ex-boyfriend. I mean, there's, you can talk about it all day long and justify it all day long, but that's what she did. And so I think with some of these characters to make them seem more heroic, especially, especially with this thing that people like uh, doing lately where they have comic books and movies that are from the point of view of the villain, like uh, Joker, the movie Joker, uh, Venom, which Venom was kind of couched as the hero anyway in that movie. But this idea of, well, let's, you know, let's put the villain in a situation where he's sympathetic, where we understand where he's coming from. And while that's fun narratively to, to, to travel along, there's still the issue of what, well, but there's still a villain. They're a villain because of this line that they cross. So I guess my question is, where is that line? At what point do you cease becoming, at what point do you cease being a hero and become a villain? And I don't think that line can be taking a life because I would like to point to the end of Man of Steel where Superman is fighting Zod and Zod makes it quite clear he's not going to stop killing humans. He's going to keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going. And Superman, you know, heart-wrenching. I mean, he screams and yells and, and, and grief as he does it, but he ends Zod because it is a threat that would not stop. And and I don't, just personally, I don't think that takes Superman down from the hero spot because, and I think John alluded to this, he did something that he knew would ultimately take care of the problem permanently. So where is that line? How far do you go to where you're not the hero anymore? I'm going to give you an answer to that, Branson, and I don't think you're going to like it. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Because we all come from backgrounds of moral standards, uh, which is biblical, um, right. you know, that, that line is what's defined in the word of God. 
you know, do, you know, there are certain things that are just not, but when it comes to a, when it comes to works of fiction, where that ne doesn't necessarily apply depending on the, how the author's writing it, that moral line is going to be established within the narrative. I mean, it, it, it and it's going to vary from work to work. You know, you, you read the Punisher, where's that line? Well, you know, you're reading the Punisher. So that line is going to be set somewhere far beyond. Whereas, you know, I, and, and the, the thing about it is I think for those pinnacle superheroes like Superman and Spider-Man, I think what irritates me is because I, I think that the line is set past a certain point and what drives me nuts is that those those particular heroes just don't get anywhere near the line to begin with. And it's just like you could accomplish so much more if you were willing to get some dirt under your nails. And that's just that's just my perspective on it. And, you know, there's other people out there who need those pinnacles. And I get that. I'm probably not the tar target demographic for Superman or Spider-Man, to be perfectly honest, except for the video games. The, the, the Spider-Man video games are fabulous. Something I consider is that. The, each of these characters has a specific intent. In the situation with Superman and Zod, Superman made that rough decision as a last resort. Somewhat, whereas someone like the Punisher goes in specifically with the intent to harm. And I think that's important to consider because these characters as heroes are indeed trying to put an end to the violence of their enemies. But with these characters, there's always certain ways that they could do it and the certain ways they do do it. You said do do. <laughs> <I did too. laughs> for, for example, Batman does not cross the line of killing except for a few specific examples um, he takes the villains he captures and takes them to the police where they can be arrested, held in prison, and occasionally rehabilitated. Yes, there is the problem of them getting out, but I feel like that is more to do with the justice system in Gotham City, which is a whole nother matter uh, aside from this conversation. The fact is he doesn't go out of his way to cause harm, thus adding to the harm caused. He's trying to do better than his enemies rather than become the very thing he's fighting against. Okay, so let's let's take this back to... I, there's a real-life example I want to touch on, but I, I feel like that would be a low blow. So let's, let's, let's take it back to a different... The, a comic book uh, arc that I was talking about earlier with... Uh, with uh, maximum carnage have you have you read that ac yeah. what, what what should i call you i i i feel so conflicted in, in these circumstances i don't know if you want to go by your pen name or your real name here either is fine but you can call me ac okay so in 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 maximum carnage there are several times where they lose track of the group of villains that have escaped from this penitentiary and then you get these news reports about how they're just slaughtering people wholesale in the street body counts are climbing into triple digits and it's just like if if they would have started at the beginning 
with the the concept of we need to eradicate these villains and not take them alive and taken off the kids gloves like Morbius and both Morbius and uh, Venom were saying from the beginning. How many more how many people would have survived that that arc? You know, um, and I'll, and and you know, what? I'm going to bring I'm going to bring I'm going to bring my real life example out anyway. Let's talk about World War Two. You know, uh, when Hitler first started invading other countries in Europe, if everybody would have instead of everybody being so standoffish, if everybody would have dogpiled in and put an end to that from the very beginning, how many people would still be alive today? You know, and so it, it's I, I'm really iffy on the whole keep it as a last resort thing, because if if your if your own ability to do what's obviously necessary from the beginning to keep that from ever happening again prohibits you and in the same way and and this is kind of where i side with j jonah jameson to a certain extent is the fact that these superheroes exist and the the, it draws the super villains out to a certain extent because it's just like okay well if they exist then i can do this too and if there's not a certain amount of lethal lethal suppression that happens, if 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 your focus is just on rehabilitation, then how much more damage are you doing to society by giving them the option to live to fight another day? That's a fair fair argument. However, I would bring up an argument that was made in the recent Disney Plus Moon Knight series, in that. Many times when you go in with the specific intention of harm, such as, um, I forgot her name, the crocodile goddess, but essentially the argument was being made is the bad guys were seeking to punish people for harm that had not yet been committed, which while could be arguably noble, they would be stepping in and causing harm themselves something that on on a similar note to hitler because there's the old adage of would you go back in time and kill baby hitler um in cosmic ghost rider they tackled the question of what if you could go back in time and kill baby thanos and frank castle did that he went in back, back in time and he was trying to use his ghost rider penance stare on the baby thanos and he realized this baby has not yet done anything. And so in trying to stop something before it happened, he would have been causing harm to an as of yet innocent party. Mm -hmm. Obviously that's a much more complex system of thought in real life application, but it just kind of goes back to whether or not the person will cross that line and do the very thing that they are trying to prevent which I feel like it is a very messy issue. And I suppose I can't exactly say that in every single case, it is wrong for the hero to kill. But I think it should be noted that it is nonetheless wrong to kill. Certain characters do make that decision so that others don't have to which is in a way noble, but it is important to understand 
that they are nonetheless taking an action as that icon and kind of going back to the very beginning where I was talking about these characters as these icons that people look up to, whether they intend to be or not, a lot of these characters are those icons that are being look up, looked up to. The Punisher, for example, is a character whose logo you will see on a lot of bumper stickers, including cop cars. Well, not anymore now that they changed the logo, but I, that that's that's an argument for a different day. <laughs> well, I, I hadn't heard about that, but like, you you would even see, for example, um, the Punisher symbol mixed with the thin blue line flag, equating the police force to this Punisher character that a lot of police officers looked up to given our nation's history of certain incidents with police brutality, we can see very clear examples of the mistakes being made when these characters that people look up to have led to others making similar decisions based on similarly flawed logic, because these characters that they look to as heroes are providing examples of what these people who look up to them think can't they can do. I have a, a thought about that, but we're going to take a quick commercial break right now <clears throat> uh, to hear from some of our other fellow podcasters. And we come back, I have, I have something I want to uh, address that real quick. All right, we'll be right back. General Roby, you're coming in. Begin transmission. Should you accept it now, here's your mission. Take your pilot seat and turn on your television. Logging into the Gundam Watch. What is the Gundam? We're gonna answer that question. From back in the classics to the newer expansion. Explore the lore with Dallas Moore and Branson. Welcome to the Gundam Watch. Moyagare, Moyagare, come and join the Gundam Watch. Moyagare, Moyagare, come and join the Gundam Watch. Brought to you by Geek Devotions comes another podcast to keep your feet in motion. Listen in close and see what's all the commotion. Logging into the Gundam Watch. Dallas and Branson bringing their fandom to you with the passion of the veteran instructing the new. We're diving deep, but the same bees views and reviews. Welcome to the Gundam Watch. Welcome back to Bees, Views, and Reviews, where I am sitting down with A.C. Peckham and John Haru, where we are discussing the definition of a superhero. And uh, right before the break, we heard from A.C., and he was talking about uh, uh, heroes who, who kill versus heroes who don't kill. He was talking about the importance of inspiration. And you pointed out the problem with characters like Punisher is that people look up to characters like that, want to emulate them. And we see that kind of in society where people kind of cavalierly cross a line. Uh, I wanted to point to that because I found a book at a used bookstore called uh, The Gospel According to Superman. And I picked it up because I thought it was yet another book that described how Superman was a Christ figure. Because, I mean, I've seen Bible studies out the wazoo about that. You know, he's a strange visitor from another planet. He comes to help save the world. He even dies and comes back to life like Jesus. You know, this book actually took a different route. 
This book said that Superman is a projection of the hero we want, not the hero we need. And the reason for that is if you think about Superman, you know, especially in his early stories, he's always saving Lois or Jimmy who are constantly getting into situations over their heads. And Superman is always there to save them. Always pulls them out of the fire, always jumps in front of the bullet, always bends the barrel of the tank or whatever the case may be. They never change. They never experience consequences for their poor decisions because Superman's always there to save them. Uh, There was an episode of the Supergirl TV series, one of the early episodes where they actually explore that with Jimmy Olsen. And he says his signal watch is a reflex. Anytime he gets in trouble, he just calls Superman and and Supergirl is, is very deliberate about, no, I want to, I want to solve this myself. I want to be my own hero. And Jimmy's response is the guy's going to beat you up. Call Superman. Come on, let's, let's, let's do this the right way. Um, The thing about Superman being an inspirational character is that you get this idea that he never challenges you. He never makes you think he never makes you define for yourself what you need to be. He, 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 he is a projection of what we want. You know, Superman is, is a great icon. He doesn't challenge me to be a better person because I have this idea of, oh, well, you know, Superman will always be there to protect me. Whereas someone like, like Batman or, or Spider-Man who occasionally may make a wrong decision or finds himself in these morally gray situations that challenges me to be a better person because I have to ask, well, what would I do in that situation? The conversation we've been having this entire episode about heroes who kill versus heroes who don't kill and that moral line that makes them choose that it is a challenge. It is a challenge on us to, to be a better person or to at least have a defensible place of why we believe what we believe. Uh, That's one of the things I love about the injustice saga is you see Superman making bad decisions. You see Superman crossing the line. He never crosses. You see Superman flawed. You see Superman corruptible. And, uh, and that's one of the, that's one of the few comic series that DC produced that I binge read. Like I I have a, a, the hoopla app on my phone that's connected to my library card. And I would, I would read one in a day and check out the next one. I could not get enough of it. I played the video game. The video game was okay, but the comics that explain how Superman becomes the Supreme chancellor and the path he takes, I ate that up because I was seeing Superman for the first time in my life. I got where Superman was coming from for the first time in my life. I understood what it was like to be him because he was corruptible because he was, you know what? I've got all this power and the world sucks. I'm going to go fix it. And I, and I take that Superman and I'm like, wow, what would I do in that situation? If I had his power, if I could literally just, you know, lock the United nations in the room and say, y'all are not leaving until you make a good decision. And it has to be a decision I agree with and not let them leave. That was actually a scene where the justice league, locks the United Nations in the room and says, y'all are not going to leave until you make a good decision. And we decide what the good decision is. And so the, the thing about these more flawed heroes, uh, 
Well, I, I completely agree that, that having some that have a moral standard that they just will not cross because as Christians, we have that too. There are certain lines we're just not going to cross, but to see the struggle, to see the, the, the quandary, to, to feel challenged. You know, I may not agree with the Punisher's methods, but by reading about the Punisher, I'm like, you know, let me analyze why the thing about Superman and we'll say early Captain America is that they just, there's no challenge to be better. There's something to look up to, sure, but there's no challenge to be better. And that was a point that the gospel according to Superman makes is where there's a divide between Jesus and Superman is Superman doesn't challenge you to be different. Jesus does. Jesus says the whole reason I went to the cross is because of sin. You need, you know, I'm here to overcome sin. Superman's message is, oh, if you mess up, it's okay. I'll come bail you out because I'm Superman. You know, um, truth, and justice, I, and the American way. I, I, I have opinions about that that I will not say <laughs> on this show. I think I definitely get to where you're coming from. And I honestly do agree that there are those flaws with certain characters such as Superman or like early Captain America. However, I, I, I do feel like we still have characters such as All Might who can be that iconic figure while challenging us to be better. Because his whole thing is, at the beginning of the series of My Hero Academia, it's established that he has this wound that has limited his power to the point where every time he uses his power, it hurts him. It There's only so much left that he can do. And it is a constant sacrifice every time he uses his power. And that goes into the lessons that he teaches Midoriya and the rest of the students at, at UA High is that they're not doing this be, because there won't be any consequences. He explains to them there will be consequences. And in every scenario where he has to come out and save the day, there are consequences, not just for him, but for the students who got themselves involved with, with bad situations, fighting villains. And as a viewer of that show, the way he steps into those situations willing in every situation to sacrifice for the good of his students and for the citizens of the city. Um, I feel like is a better example of what that iconic superhero can and should be because there are consequences. There are challenges to whether or not he's able to fix everything because there's constant character growth that needs to be addressed in every situation where he has to step in. Okay. So let's, let's talk about individuals who have super, let's talk about super individuals who, who have the desire to see society bettered and challenge us to be better according to what they think. I can think of one in DC comics right off the top of my head who has an idea of a better society and he wants to inspire people to be a part of that better society and he is driven to that. And uh, he goes by the name of Anarchy. <laughs> I, just, I just broke Branson. 
okay. See, here is that, that's a, that's actually a good uh, good thing that you brought that up though, because with anarchy, yes, he is a symbol, but kind of going back to what I mentioned about Punisher, that is a symbol that is flawed because of what that symbol does to those it inspires, the kind of people it inspires, the kind of things that that symbol leads to. With symbols such as All Might, such as uh, Spider-Man, they inspire society, they inspire individuals to step up and do good, they inspire people to do what is right in the face of evil. Anarchy is much different in that for for one, he defines what's good differently. And part of it is it goes into we need to be able to think through what is good. And we can't just assume every symbol is good. So it's actually really good a uh, good thought that, that you bring up there. Yeah. And I think it I think that harkens back to what we said earlier about the the only way we could really have a, a definitive line of okay, this is crossing a line or this is towing the line, but not yet crossing it is to have an objective standard, which as Christians we have, but in a fictional, in a fictional narrative, they kind of stack the deck to where, uh, to where that, that line changes. Uh, like for example, uh, Venom, uh, when I was first introduced to Venom, he was a villain, but he was one of those villains that he honestly believed that Spider-Man was the spawn of Satan, that Spider-Man was the sole reason for the suffering of himself and everyone around him. There's a, there, there's a scene in one of the first comic books I ever got with Venom in it where he's actually trying to protect Richard and Mary Parker, Spider-Man's parents, from Spider-Man. He like he actually says, "Don't worry, Mister and Mrs. Parker. I won't let Spider. We won't let Spider Man hurt you." Um. So you know, I, I have him as a villain, but you put him in situations like Maximum Carnage, or like the movie. You mean the movie you put on the bottom shelf? <laughs> you know, we all have regrets. <laughs> I understood that reference. I, 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 I. Hashtag the bottom shelf <laughs> podcast. Check it out. <laughs> yes, yes. If you're not listening to the bottom shelf, you should be because it's an awesome podcast. And I'm not just saying that because two of the three guys are on that podcast. But uh, I, I, I didn't put it on the middle shelf because I had too much of a connection with Spider-Man. I wanted Spider-Man in Venom's origin. But you know, I, I've I've mentioned before in the chat of wanting to go back and, and retroactively put it on the middle shelf. But in that narrative, you put Venom in the right circumstance. And even though he's willing to kill because of what he wants, he wants to kill a villain who literally wants to turn the planet earth into a food source. You know, in that situation, what he wants is really good. AC's back at school. He's raising his hand. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I can't remember who said it, but I'm reminded of a quote where, it was something to do with the fact of no matter how evil someone is, if you put them up against someone who is slightly more evil, people will call it good. And 
kind of going back to what I said earlier, it's important for us to understand what necessarily is good rather than not as evil as the other guy. Well, see, if you do that, though, if you draw that line, I think we're going to find that there are a lot of people that we would call heroes that are actually villains. And I don't think the I line absolutely is... absolutely agree. I, I don't think that line is killing. Like, for example, uh, Batman. You know, you put him in a city where the justice system is corrupt, cops can't do a thing, supervillains are constantly getting out all the time. What he does is necessary and needed. And the fact that James Gordon flashes that bat signal every night is a good thing. But if we draw the line at what is good is to be a law-abiding citizen, Batman is not a law-abiding citizen. He is a vigilante. He beats up criminals without due process. He ties them, as you said, he ties them up and leaves them for the police to arrest them. In the real world, the police would say, why are you guys tied up without having actual evidence of them committing a crime? And this is for Spider-Man too. He loves to web up jewel thieves short of there being video evidence of them actually doing something wrong. The police are required to let them go because they were not observed committing a crime. So, you know, if it's one of those things, if we step into, well, let's have an objective line of what is right and what is wrong, which I think we can do. We also have to be willing to say, okay, well, these people that are celebrated as superheroes may not actually be the flash. The flash, his alter ego is a, is a police officer. We're talking about Barry Allen flash. You know, he's a forensic scientist. Uh, but when he puts on that red suit and beats up captain cold, he's not there as an officer of the law. He's there as a vigilante going back to civil war. Captain America is the villain in that case because the law says superheroes have to register. Superheroes have to reveal their thing. In that case, Iron Man's the good guy. Captain America is the villain. Go ahead. The law does not always necessarily equate to what is good. Aha. Uh-huh. But see, there we get back to Where's subjectivity. The line? Where is the line? <laughs> so I... In taking what both of you guys are saying, I'm, I, I think I found a common thread that goes through all of our points of views in, in saying that a superhero is the person who is willing to do what is needed for the given situation. Uh, like you said, with the Venom movie, you know, he was going to kill a larger uh symbiote whose intention was to turn earth into a food source well within the realm of a a reasonable response um in the same sense i would not think that sending the punisher after anarchy would be the best idea do you see what i'm saying so I believe that the line is determined by the circumstance that's put be put in front of the super superhero at the time. Um, now, whether or not they assess where that line is correctly remains to be seen because as I'm sure anybody who is listening to this podcast understands when you're in the heat of the moment, you're not exactly thinking what the more most morally upstanding action would be. I mean, and I agree with AC uh, that uh, 
you know, the law isn't necessarily always the moral standard either. I mean, we can even break that break that down biblically. You know, we're not held under the law as Christians. Um, now, is that to say that the law is a bad thing? No, it, it's a it's a good moral basis to start, you know, but, you know, we're not saved by the law as Christians. We're saved by grace through faith. Um, that doesn't give us permission to continually go out and break spiritual law and be like, I'm going to go lie, steal, kill and rape and I'm not held under the law. And <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, AC. I, as soon as I said that, I saw that hand shoot up faster than a speeding bullet. <laughs> I understood that reference. <laughs> I, I suppose it's important to uh, to define differences between different kinds of laws. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't have my Aquinas books with me, but Thomas Aquinas is a good example of someone who goes into detail defining the differences between the divine law and human law. There are major differences between the divine law, which we as Christians obviously understand there are spiritual laws that, while that is not what saves us, that is generally... It's a code of conduct. Yes. Whereas the human law definitely varies. For example, there have been laws that I would undeniably say it were unjust slavery for example mm -hmm. was lawful but was by no means morally acceptable up right. until 2007 my own hometown had redlining on the books until it until they finally trashed that law i would not say that law was at all morally acceptable there are had what on books redlining what is redlining um basically city planning that drew certain lines where African-Americans are only allowed to live on this side of the line. Really? Yes. And that was ended when? 2007. I don't think it was enforced up until then, but it was up. It was still on the records as a written law in the city code up until 2007 when they finally did away with it. They just never got around to taking it off the books yes. kind of thing. Okay. I, I don't know. For me, that's such a foreign, I, a, such a foreign thing to me because I come from a very, you know, without without bringing politics too much into this. I've had to be very careful about that this whole time. <laughs> I, I come from such a very blue state that you know the fact that that was happening even in the two thousands is just mind blowing to me. Yeah, and so I definitely think it's important to note there are differences in between what we would call God's law, which is what I would use as a basis for what is right, and human law, which varies even more so than this line we keep talking about what it is. And right. and I, I, I agree with that. I mean, it's, but, but in the same sense, it, when you're talking about secular comics within a secular world, the law is a good place to start because all a law is, is a uh, moral standard by which society by and large has agreed to conduct themselves by. So 
it, you know, it, 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 it's one of those things that you have to judge the society by the society rather than like uh, Paul, I think it was Paul uh, talk in, in one of his epistles and it's escaping me now, but he's like, you know, I've, you know, I don't judge the world. What, what have I got to do with judging the world? They judge themselves. You know, uh, he's talking about, you know, as Christians, we're not supposed to judge the world, but instead we judge ourselves in accordance to the word of God. Um, so it's, so so basically, if if you're in a secular, if you're in reading secular comics, you have to judge them by a secular moral code. Basically, is the point I'm making. If if I'm trying to make any point at all, that's a fair assessment. Yes. Um, and though we are all here Christians, we got to understand that not all comic readers, all superhero fans, not all all of them are Christians like us. Kind of backing up to another point that I meant to bring up earlier from the book, Superheroes and Philosophy. Um, there's an example in this one chapter where they're talking about Superman, and they use the example of the Ring of Gyges from Plato's, I believe, Republic. Um, where in the Ring of Gyges scenario, you have this ring that can turn you invisible. You you put on this ring you can do whatever you want and there will be no legal or otherwise consequences for you. There will be absolutely no repercussions. And they likened that to one ring to find them, one ring to bring them all and in the dark. Oh, sorry. Wrong ring. Sorry. My bad. Actually that heavily inspired that ring. Um, <laughs> but they likened this to super, to having Superman's powers. Superman as an individual appears to be completely limitless in what he's able to do without repercussions. And it kind of draws to the question of what would or could one do if, if you didn't have to consider any ramifications such as legal or punishment. I think that's where the whole injustice saga came from. <laughs> exactly. And so with that example, it got, it really boils down to pondering what necessarily is the right thing to do with superhuman powers. And that's something that I would argue secular law could not answer. I did want to ask one question. We've, we've talked an awful lot about, um, about superhero, what a superhero is and, and that kind of thing. I'm curious, can y'all think of anyone, a character that is labeled as a superhero, but based on your definition, actually is not one. And AC's hand went up immediately. The Punisher. <laughs> okay. Wow. I am not surprised by that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm feeling attacked. <laughs> All right. It um, caused the harm I sought to prevent. <laughs> <laughs> Therefore, I am not a hero. I've lived okay. long enough to see myself become the villain. <laughs> nice. I got that reference. John, is yes, there sir. a hero that you think is labeled as a superhero by your own definition should not be one? I wasn't ready for this question. Oh, I wish you would. I wish you would have let me think about it when, before we started recording, because yeah. it probably is going to take me a couple hours. 
Because here's so the thing. The situation, what do you feel is the right thing to do? Well, here's the here's the deal. I am very much an individual who has an appreciation for what's called anti-heroes. And I view them as heroes, so I have a hard time taking someone as an anti-hero, as you would call uh, the Punisher, and being like, they're a villain. Um, because... I don't necessarily see their actions as being insidious so much as difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, you want me to give my answers and come back? Yeah, to go you? ahead. I may okay. come up with something. Okay, uh, I actually have two examples. Uh, the first one, based on my definition of a superhero, I think someone that is mislabeled is the Incredible Hulk. Now, that does not mean I think the Hulk is a villain. I don't think he is, uh, as John said, he's insidious or he has malintent. If we're calling a superhero as someone who has extraordinary abilities and uses them for the betterment of others, to, to help others, the Hulk just wants to be left alone. He just wants to go off into the desert and not be bothered by anyone. He does heroic things. He does save people. But those circumstances are usually created by Thunderbolt Ross hunting him down and creating these situations or by villains who want to prove their mettle. So they pick a fight with the Hulk. The Hulk just wants to be left alone. So in that regard, he may be a super character and he may do heroic things. He may see uh, Betty in trouble or he may join up with the Avengers for a while, but ultimately he just wants to be left alone. He's not setting out to rescue people. He'll do it if he has to, but that's not his mission. That's not his goal. So, and that's not to say I don't like the character of the Incredible Hulk. I think he's a very interesting character, but calling him a superhero may not fit the definition that we've all been going back and forth because even even heroes who kill, kill with a good intent. I have a reason for what I'm doing. The Hulk is just trying to get away. He just wants to be left alone. The second example I have is, and I, I readily admit that my knowledge of this character is limited. So if I'm way off base, y'all can let me know. But Deadpool, the Merc with the Mouth, he does what he does because he wants to, you know. And, and I'm not referring to the fact that he kills or anything like that. I'm just talking about he's not setting out to save the world. You know, by his own title, he is a mercenary. He goes to whoever is paying him the most or whatever tickles his fancy in the moment. Uh, Whatever that is, whether it's riding a unicorn or fighting with the X-Men or fighting against the X-Men, he'll just do whatever. He doesn't care. That's not a hero. It may not be a villain always, but he's not a hero. And and those are those are my examples. I, I have I have an answer to the question now. Okay, what's that? Spawn. Oh, okay. It took me a minute, but yeah, yeah, I would I would call Spawn probably a a villain. And a lot of that has to do with my dungeon master way of looking at things, but he is lawful evil at best. Ah. And 
you know, just because he, and, and it kind of goes to what AC was talking about earlier with, if you take an evil person and you stick them next to an even more evil person, just, it, it may make them look good, but it doesn't mean that they are good. The lesser of two evils is nonetheless evil. Yeah. Yeah. Vote for Cthulhu. Oh. <laughs> I think you both actually brought up some really good points that kind of clarify some thoughts that I had had in that you know, we're talking about, for example, you, John, we're talking about antiheroes. I would kind of draw a line and say antiheroes are not, I, I won't say broadly, but could be differentiated from superheroes in general. Um, but as Branson pointed out, the Hulk, for example, his intention is not necessarily to do good even when he does good. Similarly to earlier when we mentioned Superman, when he killed Zod, did so not necessarily with the intention of causing the harm. There are, unfortunately, gray areas in life that are not necessarily good or uh, intended solely as good or intended solely as evil. And perhaps it's a conversation for another time, but I feel like a lot of the characters that we find in comic books in the superhero genre kind of fall into that middle category where they're not necessarily evil, but should not be understood as great iconic heroes, perhaps. Okay. Cool. All right, guys. Do y'all have any final or closing thoughts you'd like to offer up to the discussion before we wrap this bad boy up? I really don't. I think I've kind of left it all on the table here as far as what my thoughts are. And the most, I think what's probably going to irritate people the most, and it makes me giggle a little bit is the fact that, you know, if there are people out there who disagree with me, okay, don't care. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, it doesn't move me one way or another because the fact of the matter is, is we're talking about fiction. Right. And, really when it comes down to it you know it's because it's fiction it's this is all 100 speculative so right. if anything i've said or ac has said uh or that branson has said that has upset you or whatever i mean we're right. talking we're, we're, we're debating we're debating imaginary characters in the land of make-believe so 99 percent of this is preference right yeah, that's, so that's what it all boils down to we come to comics for different things. I personally like darker comics and that's okay. AC likes lighter comics. That's also okay. And you know what? At at the end of all things, we're all Christian brothers and we all still love each other and can agree that Dungeons and Dragons is a magical thing. (laughs) You mean, you mean Pooh's not real? (laughs) um he is real in the hearts of every child who (laughs) he's also a very effective fighter (laughs) my closing thoughts would simply be though we are discussing fiction um it could be wise to consider as we take in these stories what can we learn and consider from them because stories from the beginning of time were meant to teach us things. Stories are not 
only escapism. In characters such as superheroes, we have the opportunity to look at characters that we can aspire to, even if we may never fully reach that level, or characters that relate more to where we're at now. So I would simply uh, say that as you're reading superhero stories, be wise in considering what do these characters say about who we can be? Cool. All right. Thank y'all guys so much for coming on the show. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. I'm, I have been itching to have this conversation. It, it has been so hard to not just let it all out in the chat coming up to this episode. So this has been very cathartic for me. Thank y'all so much. Uh, as I said before, these guys have got their fingers in a lot of different pies. So I want to give y'all an opportunity to, promote yourselves let's start with mr ac uh what projects have you got out there that people can invest in and where can they find you on social media so as branson mentioned i am a children's book author i currently have three books out uh john the cyber llama the tallest giraffe and bunbear believes in you my first book actually has a sequel coming out very soon john the cyber llama's house party that you can keep an eye out for and you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AC Peckham Author on Facebook and AC Peckham Author on Twitter and Instagram. Very cool. All right, John, how about you? Uh, you know, we've already hit playing games with strangers pretty hard throughout this episode, so I'm not I'm not going to go there. Uh, but what I, what I do want to promote is. Uh, I do want to promote a new podcast or a new geek devotion segment that's going to be coming out. That's uh, replacing uh, my former segment that I was doing called uh, Primitive Rhythm Machine. Um, this new segment is called uh, Casual Gamers Society. And it is going to be me and also uh, playing games with with strangers. Uh, uh, cast member uh, Dave Clements, and we're going to be talking about uh, we're going to be talking about gaming uh, as far as video games, board games, tabletop role playing games, basically gaming gaming in all forms. Um, we have a segment that's going to be called uh, "Ask the DM," where you can ask us DM questions. Um. And it's going to be a good time because we really wanted to, if, if we weren't going to be, if I wasn't going to be addressing music, I really wanted to address something that I felt that the Geek Devotions community would appreciate. And I think gaming was one of those things. So uh, we already have the first episode recorded. And so I'm just in the process of getting that uh, mixed down. So you can look forward to that coming to this same feed soon. For, for those of you who can't see, both AC and I are geeking out a little bit. We are very excited about this new podcast. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm indeed quite excited. <laughs> Especially the Ask a DM section, because I, I, I have so many questions. So many questions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for tuning in. Be sure to follow Geek Devotions on all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the whole nine yards. Also be sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast catchers and leave reviews. We like to hear feedback. Also make sure you check out my esteemed guests at their social media places and other podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. 
peace and love.